Hello and welcome to the CLB Forge podcast. This is a show to help equip you and your church for mission, ministry, and making disciples. I'm Ryan Nilsson. And I am Mike Natal, and we made it to the silver anniversary edition uh, episode. This is episode 25. We have a great guest today. Only appropriate that we pick him for our 25th episode. So let me introduce you to him. John grew up in Central Florida. He uh, His life picked up a lot more in his teenage years when he decided to work every summer at Tuscarora Inn and Conference Center, live in that Laurel Longhouse, may it rest in peace, and meet one of the largest influences in his life, one of the coolest people that he has since met, other than the other person that I'm going to mention in a little bit. Uh, and of course, it was me. John and I um, did a lot of, we'll call them shenanigans and antics, none of which we can get into right now because we might get arrested for them. Yeah, we're laying low from the law. It's interesting that after you mentioned a building that you lived in, and after you lived in it, they had to tear it down. That is Again. a coincidence of which we are probably one of the many reasons. Okay. Not to mention the fact that Paul DeQuatro buck-bucked somebody through one of the walls. But we won't go there. Needless to say, we're going to keep talking about John for a little bit. So here we go. He graduated with a bachelor's and a master's from UCF, which is the University of Central Florida uh, in mechanical engineering. He currently lives in Boston, and he works at General Electric designing jet engines to quote one of my favorite movies my boy is wicked smart all right and ladies i'm sorry to let you know this but before you swoon any harder john is a happily married man to the love of his life the lovely elizabeth they currently attend city life presbyterian church in boston ladies and gentlemen give a hearty warm welcome to Jonathan Hepner. Hey. We're happy to have you here, John. Great to hey, see you. Hey, good John. afternoon, guys. Uh, <laughs> so happy to be here. It's, you know, I'm glad I'm glad you guys made it 25 episodes because I'll probably say something that'll just get this whole thing shut down. Uh, so, you know, good work thus far. Do you want to weigh into the controversy that's slowly destroying our show? <laughs> sure, sure, what sure. What do you think is better, Star Trek or Star Wars? We want you on the Ooh. record. Yeah, I, I like to. I like. I like both worlds. I'm not going to lie. I, I'm, I'm firmly in the middle here, um, and I, I, you know, I, I think um, if I was going to live in one universe, it would probably be the Star Trek universe. I'm much more interested in like. I think the day to day life is a little more fleshed out there. But uh, if I need to spend two and a half hours on a Friday night watching uh, a movie, it's going to be Star Wars. So you know, I think I'm probably going to lean slightly. Uh, with left of center there on Star Wars, like I don't know which way those those two go, but uh, Star Star Wars is probably a little more in the in the cockles of my heart than, than Star Trek. You know, that's spoken with great eloquence and d- uh, diplomatic tact. Spoken like a rocket scientist who is uh, moving through the the ranks of management at GE. That's <laughs> I get yeah, it now. Something like that. Good answer. <laughs> right. <laughs> We both found something to like in your yeah. answer. That was good. Well, you, I, I, I just liked it more. You on an, yeah, naturally. I, well, I think it's because I think Ryan is significantly more mature than you are, Mike. And, and, no and I think if I, if, I went, if I went the other way, it would just devastate you. And Ryan's a little more capable of bouncing back from that. You are absolutely correct. And you know what? <laughs> Regardless, I'm taking that. It did. Sure. Hey, yeah. it wins a win. Right. That was a great introduction, Mike. Thanks. In addition to this great friendship that you two have, John and I, yeah. we should like to 
full disclosure, we're we're cousins. So we are part of the same family and uh and I would like to let people together. know, let the record state for for this particular situation, relationship far trumps relative. Oh, you think so? <laughs> <laughs> At least in my opinion, sure, at this sure. moment right, right now, until it I changes say? in my benefit and I'll change it. Well, with that, let's get let's get on, on with our show. John, we're really excited to talk with you today because of of your experiences uh, growing up. The, and we're going to get into that in this show as we talk about what churches can do to bless the PKs in their church. Things that PKs need from lay leaders in your... So this isn't a mechanical engineering podcast is what I'm getting. That's just what we told you right to get now. you on the show. Oh, oh, oh okay. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So all those and, questions that I prepared about like fuel lines and stuff, I should just scrap those now or... Yeah, it was all a ruse. Yep. And, <laughs> I spent so much time preparing. And we're talking about PK? Yeah. We're not talking well, about I combustion th- chambers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we're going to try and work in. Um, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to jokes about 10 of those throughout the mm-hmm. show. So can you start off uh, by telling us a little bit about your spiritual journey? You know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to tell someone <laughs> about your spiritual journey. Can you do that? Yeah, if anything, if anything, the rocket science is a hindrance to my spirit. No, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'd, I'd be happy to. Um, I, I grew up in the church, um, you know, kind of as you alluded to, and we'll, we'll kind of define PK later, pastor's kid. Uh, my dad uh, was and continues to be um, a pastor. Um, he's actually out in Montana right now, pastoring a church in, in Billings. Um, and so I grew up, I grew up there. You know, I think it's one of those things where I, I don't know a moment in my life when I wasn't you know, I wouldn't consider myself a Christian, right? You know, it's kind of like um, I came into conscious thought firmly um, in the Christian camp, which has its pros and cons, but, uh, you know, grew up in the church, you know, remember a lot of Sunday school, VBS, junior week at Tuscarora events that that really set a nice foundation um, on my spiritual walk. And, and, and there's certainly a lot of ups and downs. And then that walk, I think, got really cemented in college. Um, there's some some things that maybe we'll get into, you know, like I said, a lot of ups and a lot of downs and kind of came into college on the maybe even more seeking than I thought I would be um, as a as someone who, you know, had been, I would say, saved very young and and affirmed and confirmed in that faith throughout the years of my life. Um, and then, you know, came into college and and became very active in Campus Crusade all all throughout school. And actually, you know, Mike mentioned I got a master's degree and and, and part of that um, decision to continue schooling at UCF was was my involvement with uh, Campus Crusade. I was discipled um, by the director, a guy named Pez, who was just a wonderful, godly man, and showed me a lot of a lot of things. And, and we built a ministry there for college students. I think that I'm really proud of, and, and it became a, a, a bedrock um, as well in my in my faith journey. You know, came through Crusade and, and really. I think became bolstered there and then found myself in Boston after college and um, have been to a couple of churches, but have settled into uh, city life. And, and I think that's, you know, been a big part of my journey too, is to see things grow up over time. I think I've seen the, the bright and the dark side um, of the church, um, at least in my experience, and have come through it. And, and I'm really happy to say that I've, I think I've found uh, God and, and, and Christ in, in some of those darker places and has kept me around, um, which has been, which has been wonderful. But yeah, so, you know, grew up really firmly ensconced um, in the church, um, have seen some things, you know, coming up through my adolescence that I, I would say, you know, kind of maybe pushed me away from God and then kind of found him again 
in college. And all along that, there have been some wonderful, you know, youth leaders that have really um, sheltered me and, 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 and shown me a lot of great things. And then, like I said, just coming through um, working at Tuscarora has been a really highlight of my life. Mike said it may be in jest, but it is true that um, those years um, were really valuable to me to be in a, in a community of believers um, working, you know, towards an end that really helped. And then just coming through college and then, and now that I'm in Boston, you know, I think my, my focus has shifted. And, and now that I'm in a church with, I spent a lot of time in crusade and parachurch um, ministries, you know, in my early years where I found myself to be some of the older people in the room. And so now I'm, I'm going to a church in Boston that has, you know, a really nice, I don't know, just a, a panoply of people throughout different generations. And I've, I've found some people with some experience that, that really helped minister into my life. And I'm, I'm really enjoying um, that. So yeah, I think my faith journey has been a bumpy one, but we made it thus far. I recently got married. You mentioned my beautiful wife, Elizabeth. We got married um, literally the day before the pandemic. Um, and that's been an adventure yeah. for sure. But, uh, you know, she is, you know, she's been a big influence on my spiritual life as well. So yeah, that's tremendous. And uh, I've been happy to be along with you on that journey, for yeah. sure, uh, through great times and bumpy times and rocky times. And the Lord has been faithful through it all. And so that's really important to kind of put that in perspective. Also, for those of you who don't know, John, um, when I first came out here and started serving at Faith, John actually filled the pulpit quite a few times for me so that I could get away and have some vacation time. So I'm uh, I'm grateful for that too. And I've seen uh, John blossom too in sermon writing, just as he's continued forward. So hopefully you cool. continue to do that and continue to formulate, you know, God's word in a succinct way as you continue to minister. And as God continues to use you, you know, just because you work at GE and uh, you're designing uh, jet engines, you can still use that to glorify God. And I feel like that's exactly what you're doing up here, up there in Boston. And I'm really encouraged to see all that you're, uh, that you're using all your skills to really let God shine through you, man, which is great. On to, uh, before we get all sappy and we start crying and stuff, let's, let's talk about this PK thing. So here I'll lobby one that, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out the answer to this question. What is a PK, John? Yeah, you know, um, I think it's pretty. Uh, penalty kicks in soccer are important. No, uh, uh, pastor's yes. kid, you know, and it's a nice non-gender specific. So, you know, just uh, any any child um, of a pastor, adopted or natural, I suppose. But you know, just a kid growing up in a in a household that's primary vocation is ministering um, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um. So, as a PK, uh, John, how many how many churches have you been a part of being a PK? Sure. Uh, I mean, I guess I'll count the ones uh, now because um, I, I literally I was out at I was in Montana actually just this past weekend visiting my parents. As you guys do, I uh, got asked to read scripture, so you know the the bench was a little thin, and, uh, <laughs> and I was roped in sermon illustrations. So there's no rest for the wicked, I'm afraid. Uh, you trade, but uh, you keep trying yeah. to get away, and they keep pulling you back in. They just really. So I when I was born, my dad was pastoring at uh, Stavanger Church just outside of Fergus. So that's one. And then the second one would be um, Bethany Lutheran Brethren in Staten Island. Uh, Gethsemane in Rochester is three. Uh, we planted Jordan Valley Community Church in Pennsylvania would be four. Sunshine LB Church in Holiday would be five. Am I counting correctly? Um, and then Malta, Elam Lutheran Brethren Church up in Malta, Montana. And now and now my dad's at uh, Pilgrim Community Church in, in Billings, Montana. So I think that's six in total. 
Seven. Uh, nope, try eight. again. Seven, Seven, but it's okay. You're an engineer. We know you don't this, You don't need math a lot. <laughs> well, it's because i got to talk yep. to other people. It's throwing me off my game. Usually we just sit and stare at the wall all day. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. <laughs> all right, cool. So uh, growing up through that, what were some of the greatest things about being a PK? A, having, having parents so firmly rooted in the gospel is, is huge. Um, you know, I grew up in such a loving, grace-filled household that if nothing um, bad to say about, you know, how my parents brought us up. And, and I think that was, that was wonderful. And being a part of, you know, so many churches, just a lot of really cool people. And, you know, I think the, the, the pastoral one is, is very much a relational um, occupation and ministry. And, and then just being in the, the center of those relationships and, and, and learning that from my parents and, you know, just seeing that work um, was great. You know, you know, I, you know, I mentioned that, you know, there was a lot of ups and downs, but, you know, from the ups and, and, and now that I'm an adult looking back, just feeling, you know, I was definitely just brought up in such a great space um, with some very loving people. So I feel very fortunate. Um, and then, yeah, definitely the friendships and the, and the relationships I made along the way as, as I, you know, grew up in the church and, and really just feel that, you know, coming to this side of my childhood and adolescence, um, very blessed to, to be a part of that. Um, you know, I remember, you know, sitting up in my bedroom, the, the parsonage in, in, in Staten Island, New York was across the parking lot from the church and watching the youth group there and just feeling so I was sad as a four-year-old because I couldn't go hang out with them, but just having that presence in my life <laughs> and having a million older brothers and sisters, you know, was really great and and really um, mm-hmm. just felt very loved by by the church and and um, just came up in some really fun fun environment. Nice. So now let's ask the opposite question: What were some of the difficulties that came up with being a, a pastor's kid? Yeah, you know, like so as you as you mentioned. Um, you know, there are seven churches, you know, that, that I've been a part of, um, in my, my 34 years of life. And, and honestly, five of those came before I was 20. And so we moved around quite a lot. We started new churches, you know, we, we moved, I think every three or four years on average while I was growing up, you know, between my fifth and 10th grade year, I started a new school every year. Um, and so that was hard. I think being a pastor's kid, um, and, and maybe this is unique to my experience, you know, maybe not, but I think that being such a relational, relationship-driven job, there's the good and the bad, right? So when things are good, you know, I'm experiencing the joy and the the, the wonder of, of the gospel doing great things. But when those relationships sour or when things are hard or when discipline is happening, you know, I'm also experiencing kind of full, full blast of that too. Um, I'm the oldest, so that was... Um, I think a lot of expectations kind of fell to me, whether perceived or real. Um, definitely, I think wound its way into my head and 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 is hard. And and you know, I think it's it's tough when you know when your when your dad or or your mom, however the you know your parents are involved in ministry, when their primary source of income you know is dependent on a church, you know it you know it it gets really stressful, and it's it's it can be hard to. To, to, to really enjoy, you know, the worship and the, the corporate fellowship because, you know, it's like, like I said, if these relationships sour, then <laughs> our income is going to sour along with it. Um, and I definitely felt that as a kid, um, especially as I was growing older um, and growing up and, and kind of, you know, kind of coming into that, you know, a lot of those, um, a lot of those ministry experiences, you know, were, you know, were tied to, 
planting a new church where, you know, there is no, you know, there is nothing and you're kind of building something from scratch and, yeah. and experiencing the stress of that. Um, you know, I think my parents do a good job of, of, you know, creating a divide between, uh, you know, them and us, but you know, that stuff just float, flows down, you know, there, there's no, there's no keeping, keeping that back. Um, so, uh, by Definitely. divide, by div- just to clarify, sure. by divide, you mean more along the lines of setting boundaries, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Boundaries. And, and okay. yeah. Go yeah. Ahead, so tell me, tell me what you think about this, John. I mean, I, I've heard, um, you know, a great way to kind of explain to someone who, who's maybe not a pastor or even helps pastors understand what they're going through is most people, their support system in life is like a three legged stool mm-hmm. and they're, they're largely different groups of people. There's work, there is your spiritual community, and there's your family. And for most people, those are different groups of people. And so if you have a problem in one area, the other two areas are there to support you and kind of hold you up. Like if you're having trouble work, your spiritual community, your family, they're there for you. The challenge with pastors is that they have a, it's a one-legged stool. Family, spiritual community, their employment are all enmeshed. Yeah. And so it makes any kind of challenge or crisis really very stressful and, and can be traumatic too. So is that kind of resonate with, oh, with your experiences? hundred percent. Yeah, no, it's, I, you know, I, I was going to mention this too, and it, it's, it's less of a traumatic thing, but just like when I got out of the house and entered college, it was really hard for me to find a church because I didn't have, I never had to do that before. We never, church as a child you know you know you go to the you know like there was no choices um you know like i attended a youth group with a buddy from high school just because it was another thing to do to fill out thursday night or whatever but like to show up in college and be like huh how do i think about this or how do i want to pursue you know a spiritual community in in a town that doesn't have maybe the brand of christianity i grew up with how do i make informed decisions on on the church in that way so that was really interesting and really you know, less difficult, but more of like a, a new experience for me. I, I think that's exactly right. You know, like, yeah, your, your family attends the same church that you work at, you know, all of those legs. If, if, if not one leg, you've got th- a stool with three legs very close together. And it's a lot easier to, to stress that or tip it yeah. um, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How has it affected um, you, uh, you know, being a part of a church as an adult, as an independent adult with your own family now? I, I, I've had to work really hard and, and, and uh, my wife will tell you this, you know, I say it uh, fairly often, but like I've, I've often, I think assumed too much responsibility or given too much of my time and effort too quickly. Um, and, and run a very serious risk for burnout, you know, cause my only relationship with the church is being do whatever you have to do, you know, give as much as you can just mm-hmm. because, you know, like, you know, like I said, we planted a church where, you know, we made 70 pounds of lasagna for a dinner and no one showed up for it. Right. Like, so, you know, oftentimes, you know, it feels like the pastor's family is sometimes some of the only people who get, you know, volunteered or voluntold to do things. And so, yeah, when I, when I enter church, I, I have to be really careful to, to kind of set up some very strict boundaries. And um, so like, I just, you know, the city Life Presbyterian church is a church I've begun attending because I've gotten married and we've decided to go to my wife's church. And, and I've kind of told her that I'm going to wait at least a year before I, you know, start volunteering or serving just to, to kind of give it some time for my yeah. life to settle in and, and relax into maybe a, a healthier 
way to be a, a member of the body. That's awesome. It's healthy. Yeah, for sure. You know, the theme of our show today is what, what, what your PKs need from your church. And there's mm-hmm. two audience groups that we want to connect with. And uh, one is the, the lay people in the church, but the other one is the, the pastors. So, so John, if you had a room full of pastors with young kids beginning their families or raising their kids, uh, what kind of tips, what kind of advice would you give to those parents? If, if those parents were around you and just said, John, what, you know, having grown up as a PK, what's some advice, maybe from some of the positive experiences maybe from some of the challenges that you faced? Yeah, I think, um, man, that's, that's great. Uh, <laughs> no love, pressure. Love that. Loaded. Yeah, I mean, yeah. just the, the souls of, of thousands of children are now squarely in my hands. <laughs> no pressure. No, no, seriously. I, I, you know, I think that, you know, it's, it's not too different than what I've kind of learned the hard way myself is just that like, you know, for, so for pastors, you know, like boundaries are important, you know, you know, really knowing when to bring, you know, kids into what's going on at the church. Um, and, and like I said, like it, it, some of that trickles down and you can't keep it out, but, but really um, boundaries and, or just being very honest, you know, with kids in, in a way that they understand. And maybe a teenager is a little better for, you know, understanding some of the hard things that are going on in the church and, and what's going on than, than, than the younger kid. But um, I think just trying to, to remember that, you know, like just because you signed up for, um, you know, because your income is coming from the church, like your kids didn't sign up for that, you know, and I'm not going to say that your kids shouldn't be a part of your church, right? That's, that's ridiculous. Um, but, but just, you know, kind of trying to remember that, you know, your wife and your kids necessarily aren't on the payroll <laughs> of the church and, 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 and putting up some boundaries there too. And, and I think that that flows out too, you know, when, like I said, a lot of expectations, you know, came from that, like, that I would be a willing set of hands and I often am, but, but maybe just keep an eye on your kids to see if they're, if they're getting burnt out from being involved, you know, like, like I said, I went to a different VBS every summer, every week of the summer. And, and some of that was probably for my parents' sanity, which, you know, God knows they needed, but, but also <laughs> just like understanding that, like, you know, a little space from a little break from that, that world isn't, isn't a bad thing either. And, and it's, it's good to see, I think pastors find, you know, vacation and, and the hobbies and, and time away from the church that, this is healthy, you know, for them and their families. You know, I think like time constraints are, are, are tough. Uh, it was really hard for me, you know, coming into a, a nine to five, 40 hour a week job because that's not the way our life was structured when I was a kid. And, and so just maybe realizing that I, I get it that like things are happening and you're dealing with spiritual catastrophes day and night, but you know, that has an impact on your family. And, and also, you know, like, maybe spend some time with your kids as they, you know, kind of come into adulthood to help them understand how, like, if they're not going to go into a, you know, a, you know, a less time consistent ministry as an occupation, like what does a job look like and, and how does, you know, a nine to five, you know, regular schedule look. Cause that was, that was really difficult for me to kind of like absorb into my life. Uh, Cause um, just had never had to do that before. So I think the pastors out there are doing a great job, um, you know, with their kids, but, but definitely it's, I think it's smart to remember too, that like, I don't know, I, this may be extremely arrogant, but that's kind of my MO. Um, but you know, I, I've seen a lot of pastors, kids fall into one of two traps, you know, either they just reject the gospel, you know, cause they've been burned by the relationships and the ministries of the church, mm-hmm. um, and just walk away, which is not what anybody wants. Um, or, or maybe they, they dive headfirst into 
uh, calling or a ministry that necessarily not necessarily for them. You know, I, mm-hmm. I definitely felt a lot of pressure um, growing up and, and still feel it that like maybe, you know, maybe I'm, you know, set apart for a, you know, occupational ministry myself. And, and I'm not saying that's not on the horizon somewhere, but, but it definitely, you know, if I could, if I had a nickel for every, every time someone's like, when are you going to seminary? You know, when are you going to, when are you, when is your, when is your turn? You know, I think, you know, I'd, I'd have a lot more, <laughs> a lot more money than I do right now. Um, and, and that was a, that yeah. was a consistent, uh, you know, consistent theme in, in my life growing up. Yeah. So some of that's from you were, I mean, you've got some, some great gifts. So some people may be asking you because of that, but it sounds like probably there were also people asking you that because of your family of origin. Yeah. That or, ergo, and, 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 you'll become a yeah. pastor. Yeah. And I, I, I I say that that's an, ex- that's an arrogant thought more because I, I don't think I've, I've, you know, encountered one of those two spaces. You know, I'm still very happy to be a part of the church and, and very uh, firmly emplaced in my, in my beliefs um, of the gospel. And, but I also have, did I think about joining a, you know, going to seminary and, and joining ministry? Sure. But I, I didn't really ever feel that calling to do that and, and have kind of resisted maybe, you know, fall, uh, falling down a path or following down a path that that isn't for me um just because it's something my dad did or that's people are mm-hmm. telling me that that's what I should be doing so yeah i think that yeah like certainly you know you want to encourage gifts where you see it but you know just because a kid you know spends all of his time at a church because <laughs> his dad works there and he basically lives there you know doesn't mean he needs to work there for the rest of his life either right and i think that um, that's where discipleship comes in too, um, is that it's not just the role of the pastor to be the one who is doing the discipling. Yeah. It's not just the role of, of him to bring people in or even other people to bring people in and then have the pastor like swoop in and start to disciple them. Yeah. But the role of the church in general is to make disciples. And so John, and I've encouraged you of this before, I think no matter what you do, your passion for the gospel, God's going to use that to disciple other people, whether you're, you're an engineer, whether you're working at GE, whether you're, you know, uh, the rock star that you wanted to be when you were at Tuscarora, any, any of that God is capable of taking and using, uh, in order to further his kingdom. So I think that that's really important too, to point out to people is you don't have to be a pastor to, to start discipling. And you don't have to uh, go to seminary in order to share the gospel with people. You can do that in what your your current vocation. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's an important thing to think about. You know, like like you said, you know, Ryan. Um, you know, I certainly have found myself with some gifts um, that that lend themselves in that way. And I'm also extremely extroverted and and not afraid of the limelight, um, as you too well know. Um, but you know, not every kid is like that. You know, and I think that. It doesn't hurt me too much to be the uh, the front and center of every Christmas pageant, but you know, like that's not that's not maybe like for everyone. You know, like some of my siblings certainly are much more introverted than I am and and shy away from that stuff. And and I can totally see, you know, either you know they're going to be they could be thrust in a spotlight that they're not comfortable for, or our relationship could be you know different. And maybe that's something to re- realize too. Um, you know, for the the church body and, and some of your lay leaders is that like kids are different, you know, and, and it, it's really easy to, to kind of lump us all into one, you know, space that, you know, just because, you know, John comes out and he likes being in front of the spotlight and, 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 and all that stuff doesn't mean that, that his siblings do either. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, yep. it's, it's just, it's, I think it's just being 
aware of the pastor's kids are not the pastor. Yeah, that's a and that's a great segue into our last question too. Well, exactly what you're talking about right here. Um, so Ryan kind of took the side of, you know, pastors in terms of raising your kids. How can that? What should you be aware of? So now my question is, what advice, John, could you give to like lay people on how they can be a blessing to the pastor's kids, even like how they deal with them too? Like that's another important thing. Yeah, maybe do's and don'ts, you know, either sure. or any of those. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, you know, like do disciple, you know, your your pastor's kids, you know, in a in a healthy way. I would say um maybe don't do that without building a relationship with them as a person. You know, I think I think a lot of times, you know, you get, you know, like you your interactions with someone, if they're only limited to an hour on Sundays and an hour on Wednesday nights or or, or, or whatever, it's, it's really easy to be like, Hey, you need this. And you or, you know, you, mm. you, you like to be very instructive, but I would say like, if you're going to do that, mm-hmm. you know, maybe take the time to, to invest in them um, outside of the church um, and, mm. and, and get to know them as a person, just because I love the church and I, and I, and I, I've come up through it, but you know, like I, I have more dimensions, you know, than that. And, and I think it's really hard to, to have a discipling relationship if you don't have common ground outside of that, like it kind of rings a little hollow. Um, and, and like I said, I, I definitely a big don't, you know, is like I said, expecting, you know, expecting, you know, them to be the the number one volunteer for every, every little thing you're doing or the, the lead in your pageant or, or whatever. Or I, never I, get in trouble in any way. Right. Right. Exactly. You know, yeah. I, I'm constantly in trouble to this day. Um, I, I'm just <laughs> perpetually um, in trouble, and it is stressful. You know, it's it's stressful because not only do you have that, you know, like your parents, you know, have like you said, like the legs of your stool are so close together as a child that you know, like I don't know, like I I think that I I, I was either told or perceived this idea that like oh well, you know, like we have to be held to a higher standard because we're. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think Paul certainly talks about that and, and, and being above reproach and all that stuff. But but again, like it, it just helps to remember that like the pastor's kids haven't gotten there yet. You know, like they have not been called, you know, um, to you know, to living a life, you know, like that. And and sure, I, I would love to say that we're all we're all called to high standards, but but you know, like I think something that your kids need um, as lay leaders, is just a ton of grace, you know, and a ton of mm. um, understanding that, you know, like they are they are going through the throes of life in a very public place, you know, especially you know for an hour every Sunday, you know, like you're associated with the one person everyone's looking to for advice, you know. So it's definitely it's definitely very easy, I think, to to scar and hurt kids in the pastoral ministry from this, you know, these just unrealistic lofty expectations or, um, or just publicizing, you know, um, you know, who they are and, and, and what they're doing in, in a public way. Um, I, I would, I would, I would caution, and sorry if I'm jumping around on you, but um, I, I kind of made a joke about this, but, you know, I think, I think it would be wise to like get permission from your kids if you're ever going to use them as a sermon illustration. You know, because I, right. I, that happens to me constantly. And again, I, I'm pretty happy to shrug it off a lot. But it is, you know, it, it's just it can be hard. You know, like that's that's your business. That's kind of getting aired in front of 100 people or more. And, you know, it can be it can be traumatizing. John, thanks so much for your insight. 
it was, it's great. And I think that it's something that um, for the most part doesn't really get talked about that often. I think that like, you know, when you candidate or when you, uh, you know, take a job as, as a pastor, you know, oftentimes your family's also being evaluated as part of that package. Mm-hmm. When like I go to work at GE, you know, they're not asking my wife how willing she is to throw a potluck for the staff, you know, every, every couple of weeks or, or whatever, you know, and, and, and I mean, that's an overgeneralization for sure. But I think it's just really, it's just can be really hard on a family to shoulder some of the burdens of, of a ministry lifestyle that a, a married couple is going to go into that with their eyes wide open. But, but, but your kids have to figure that out kind of through trial mm-hmm. and error as they grow up. John, I'm curious to know a couple of things that I that I think about on this topic. Like one piece of advice I would give to lay people in the church is don't treat PKs different from other kids. Mm, so absolutely. When when someone in my church would would say something like to my one of my kids, like, "Well, you know, people are looking up to you because you're a pastor's kid," I would ask them not to say things like that. Because I think that's one of the dangerous things is to is to rate kind of like what you were saying that you hold hold those kids to a higher expectation because of because their father's in vocational ministry, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like yeah, yeah, I think that sort it's of com- two edges, completely too. Like, disconnected. They're not yeah. yeah, they're not connected, and yet we often ma- make some kind of uh, parallel yeah. between those two things, right? Well, so your kid is either gonna you know be stressed out because they're you know being held as an example. Or they're going to become overly confident, and I'm suppose you can guess which way those seeds grew up in my life. But um, you know, I like mean, I, could, I'm sure we could ask Elizabeth about that, right? <laughs> you probably she, she, yeah. All right. <laughs> but no, but yeah, I, I think or you're, the you're either going to you're either going to puff those kids up to think that they're supernaturally good, or you're going and you're going to set them up to be torn down later when they don't live up to whatever expectation you're holding for them. Yeah. And, one thing I loved about the last church I served is they did they just treated my kids like kids like anybody else's and right. they were great nice. at that. And so my my kids they thought of being a PK as a very positive thing. And man, mm-hmm. I was just so thankful and relieved to know that that that's how they yeah. felt about that. Like Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And and I definitely came through, you know, came through that like I said, I, I don't, I don't regret becoming a PK. I, I think it was hard and there are some hard things that come along with it. Yeah. And, and, and that's a lot of that is, is just my personal, you know, experience with, you know, some, some ministries, you know, like, um, when I, when I was a freshman in college, my, my father and the church, he was serving parted ways in a pretty, pretty ugly way. And, and that was hard for me. It took me a couple of years to get back on board with, you know, organized yeah. social religion. You know, I, I don't yeah. think I really ever really truly walked away from my faith, but, but it took a long time for me to start trusting people, you know, with mm-hmm. my, with my, you know, ins and outs, just because like I said, that, that relationship is so key to, you know, like the relationship between a, a pastor and his elder board or a pastor in a church is, is so, you know, intrinsic to that, that job and, and the worth you derive from it. You know, if that ends poorly, it just really sends shockwaves, you know, through a family. Yeah. And, and like I said, I, I have siblings that I know were very hurt, very hurt and scarred. And, and I think, you know, will have long lasting effects that uh, impact their whole life as far as them and yeah. the church. So yeah. it's, yeah. it's tough. Which too, that when you think about it in the realm of situations like that occurring, if it was outside of the church, people would feel defensive 
and they and they would be upset and they would be hurt but a lot of times you know it it's uh it's definitely a difficult um situation but to kind of bring it back around i think knowing your mom and your dad and your siblings what really rooted your family was the gospel man through and through the gospel is proclaimed in that Hepner house fairly yeah. often, um, which is the glue that's needed in order to pull things together and pull things off and to, to really have a productive ministry family, which whether you want it to be or not, that's what you get when you go into ministry. So I think realistically, like people just need to realize that the gospel is going to transcend a lot of this stuff. And unless you are making sure that you put it as the premier thing in your family, difficulties are going to happen. And realistically, the way through those difficulties is the reminder of, of what Christ did on the cross. And, uh, and I think that's really important. So, yeah, I think as a, as a pastor and as, as a family, like, yeah, my, the closest people to me on this planet you know, aside from my wife or, or my, yeah, Mike Natal is number two. And then uh, it, it, three it. through seven are the six members of the Hefner household. You know, like that we just had such a really strong family. And I think that's important, you know, to, I don't know, like to just promote that core. You know, like you said, the legs of your stool are so close together, they have to be strong. And, yeah. um, you know, I it's, it's just, like, yeah, looking back, it's just really... I, I thank God every day for, you know, the, the relationships inside my own family that really helped pull me through all that. Nice. I was wondering, John, there's a couple of thoughts I have too about how a pastor's family is engaged by the rest of the church. And there's a couple, a couple of things that can happen. Like one, uh, one thing I've seen happen sometimes with families uh, is that people can, people in the church, so, so if I was giving advice to lay people, I would, one, one piece I would say is like, don't expect every member of the pastor's family to become your friend or that they're obligated to, you know, because we all have mm-hmm. different ways of selecting friends. And I think sometimes people can become offended if they don't click and become fast friends yeah. because they're part of the same church and this person's a member of the pastor's family. It doesn't mean that you will automatically develop this amazing friendship. I mean, at a, at a really deep level. And the other thing too, I think that can happen sometimes is that the pastor and their family are excluded from the the personal lives of the families in the church. And you talked about that earlier. You know, like sometimes pastor's family doesn't get invited to any big, like like the big Thanksgiving service or Christmas service happens. Yeah. And then everyone goes to their big family gatherings, but the pastor right. and family, they go home by themselves and no one's invited them right. to join their, their bigger family gatherings. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's kind of a uh, two kind of related things there. Yeah. Yeah, any more thoughts on those? kinds of issues. Yeah. I think it's just being sensitive to that, you know, like mm. I think cuz I can go both ways, right? Yeah. Either you know like yeah, I know I know in our house um we have gone we've done both, right? Like we've we've been invited to um friends in the church for Thanksgiving and it's been it's been great, but I think other otherwise you know like we're oftentimes like just just kind of to crash like, you know, it's mm-hmm. yeah. as an adult. Yeah, if we could put it a, say, if we could put it a different way, what like maybe I could say more succinctly like lay people in your church invite your pastor's family to stuff right don't be upset if they say no yeah mm-hmm. exactly no i think that's exactly right i think I, yeah i think it's just the sensitivity there to kind of read read that both ways that 
both are valid. Yeah. And, and, and yeah, it's, it's, we took a lot of vacations on like off times just because, you know, like we can't, we can't go away for Christmas or, yeah. you know, Easter or Thanksgiving and that stuff just because of the, the, the rhythm of the church. And so, but yeah, I think, you know, it can be hard, you know, you miss out on, on times with family. And so I think, I think it's great to, to, to make your pastor feel welcome in your home. And then also just respecting that if, if he doesn't need that. Yeah. Well said. Totally. Well, cool. one last thing I was thinking about too, and I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, but I, I think it's always wise, um, you know, having raised PKs to try not to talk about church people or church problems in front of the kids. Mm-hmm. Right. To really, especially when you're in those really difficult seasons, I think that can affect your kids more than, more than most other, you know, challenges that, that come your way. Any, any thoughts on that, John? Yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, it's something I alluded to earlier is that, you know, like just having that kind of that separation of, like you said, um, not church and state, but, um, <laughs> but like family and work, you know, like, you know, if, if you and your spouse are, are working through some hard things in the church, like, you know, if possible, you know, try to shelter your children from that a little bit, especially if they're really young, right? Because it's hard, it's hard to make sense of, of some of those more complicated things as, as a young person, um, as a child, um, and, and even yeah. as an adolescent too. So yeah, I would, I would encourage you to, to try to keep that, you know, I wouldn't, I, I don't want to want to say like, you know, sugarcoat the way life is or, or shelter your children. I, I certainly don't affirm that behavior, but, um, but just also knowing that like a child is not going to understand, you know, why that person and you are, are not seeing eye to eye and, 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 and why they're yeah. saying terrible things about you or vice versa. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I think it's, it's, like I said, I, I felt that, um, as, yeah. as a, as an adolescent, certainly as I was coming maybe a little more into abstract thought and, and feeling like, is this going to affect our ability to pay bills and put food on the table? And, you know, like, are you, you know, yeah. are you going to be in trouble? You know, is, are we going to have to go to another church with the move again? Like some of those things like that, that, that trauma is real um, in my yeah. life. And, and it's really, it's really easy to, to pass it along to, to, to kids that don't understand what's going on. Yeah. I think, I think if, um, yeah, thank you. Cause I, I think, you know, you may be, if you're a pastor and you're talking about a church problem or people you're frustrated with, you may resent a person because of that, but your kids hearing it, they may resent God hmm. and the faith yeah, that the you're church. raising them in. Yeah. The church in general can really, yeah. And I also think too, it's, it's good for lay people to not, if they are frustrated with their pastor to not let the PKs have hear any hint of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I would certainly say like taking it out on the PKs would be wildly inappropriate. So definitely yeah, don't do that. But it happens. But yeah, absolutely. Totally. And then happens. also, yeah, I, I think that like you know, like that separation needs to exist too, just yeah. because like you said, or like you know, like like we've talked about that, you know, the the, the PK is not the pastor. Yeah. You know, and so like if you're if you're taking your feelings and your frustrations out on them, they're not gonna know how to handle that. And it's not necessarily a good way to get that back up, you know, like to, to communicate those <laughs> thoughts and, and feelings to the pastor himself. So, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, try to, try to find a healthy space to resolve that conflict yeah. at the church, you know, away from their home. You know, one of the things that was hard too, as, as a kid, is just that like, I think people don't necessarily, especially like in a parsonage setting, like respected, like there, there should be some off hours here, you know, we're not on all the time, you know? And, mm, and like I said, good. I know crises happen day and night, but you know, like, you know, it, it, 
it was, I, I remember like there were times when we, we started a church and the parsonage was a little further removed from the church. And that was just a blessing that we weren't like next door, <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, like, uh, you know, like kind of mm-hmm. in sight of, of, of just, we're able to get away, you know? And, and yeah. one of the things I was going to say is like, as an adult, like I find church to be a very, you know, spiritually filling, relaxing place. But as a kid, it, it, you know, like I kind of felt like a job sometimes, you know, like that we, you know, we had to be on, you know, and, 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 you know, like kids feel that pressure too, of, of having to put on a good, good face, you know, for, you know, for, you know, a job that's not really theirs. Thank you, John. Thanks for sharing. Just, uh, it's just great to see what you've experienced and how you've seen God's hand blessing you in the good times. And, and like you said, the dark times that you, you see benefits and blessings in, in all those seasons. So thank you. And thank you for everything you've shared today. Really appreciate it. No, thanks you guys. And I, I don't want, I don't want people to think that there's any bitterness, you know, here I've, I've kind of come through my own, you know, ups and downs and struggles, you know, with the church, uh-huh. but I am so glad for, you know, the role that my father has had on my life. You know, he's disciple number discipleship, you know, mentor number one yeah. in, in my life. And, and, and I'm so happy you know, like, like your children, I, I, I consider it a blessing to have been so closely involved with the church. And it, it, it just was many, many blessings and benefits, but very happy to be here and, and just share anything I might know about, you know, how to, how to be a little more gentle to, to the people in your, your pastor's family that, you know, are kind of catching the brunt of some things that they should. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. Thank you so much, John for being our guest today. Thank you for everyone uh, for listening to our show today. We'd love to cover topics that you're looking for input on, so email us with your comments at podcast at clvforge.org. Don't forget to subscribe to our show, and we'd love it if you shared the podcast with a friend or a colleague. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. John, remember that time when we made that flaming thing at Tuscarora, <laughs> and we were shooting fireballs out of it? What? The, the reason that they closed. No, that you should end down. the end the yeah. recording. End it now. <laughs> end oh, it now. Okay. We can keep talking about it, but like literally end it right now. <laughs> okay.